name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So today is the second week, um, the second Sunday uh, uh, in this month where we're preparing for, where we're preparing for uh, the Nativity, the birth of our Lord. And uh, last week we heard the, the Gospel where the angel comes to announce to Zacharias that he's going to receive um, John the Baptist and that he will be born of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then today we hear the angel coming to St. Mary and to telling St. Mary about that he's going to be, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ will be born of her. And both of these are called the Annunciation, the Annunciation of the birth of St. John, the Annunciation to St. Mary. And this is like a major, a major lordly feast, which is usually was celebrated nine months prior to Christmas. So it's usually in April sometime. Um, and this gospel comes up again almost every month. We celebrate it on the 29th of the month. And it's such a significant, it's such a significant thing because this is the, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of the good news. This is the beginning of the message that God has come to be amongst men, that God himself has chosen to come and to be amongst men. And this is so, this is so significant only in so much as who is coming. So suppose, suppose, okay, that um, uh, somebody, you know, special was coming to visit us next Sunday, right? Um, suppose uh, that somebody who's very special to me, but doesn't mean anything to you. Um, maybe uh, one of my, my, my best friend uh, throughout med medical school, his name was Ernest. Most earnest and honest person that I've ever met, and his name is actually, his, his first name is actually Ernest. Lovely, lovely guy. Right? Um, so I tell you all, Ernest is coming next Sunday, you know, and I'd love for you to meet him. He's the most earnest person I've ever met, and I tell you a little bit about him, you know. Or I tell you, um, or I tell you, you know, uh, I don't know, the Pope is coming next Sunday, you know, right? That might, might have a slightly different impact to you. It's really in, in regards to who it is who is coming. That's what makes all of the difference. And you'll find that there is, there is like a, a little bit of emphasis in, in all of the readings today, specifically though in the Psalm and the Gospel, about the who, which is so, which is so, so important and really modulates the what, really changes everything about the what. The, one of the first things the angel says to St. Mary's sister, do not be afraid, Mary. Why does he say that to her? Well, I don't know. I mean, if an angel appeared to me, I might also be afraid. Um, oftentimes, I tell people stories about apparitions of saints and martyrs and, and, uh, and, and, and so on. And um, a lot of young people will, will tell me, well, we'll often be talking about this stuff as we're walking out the door at 11 o'clock at night. And someone will say to me, like, please don't tell me these stories right before I'm going to go to bed. You know, um, I know these are happy things, but this isn't necessarily what I want to be dreaming about. This really freaks me out, etc., etc. Right. So it's maybe a natural thing that the angel says to her, do not be afraid Mary, right? But that aside, that aside, 
I mean, what do you think it looked like when Archangel Gabriel appeared to St. Mary? Like when Archangel Michael came to move the stone from the door of the tomb of Christ, it says that he was brighter than lightning. It says that the angels fell, the, the, the soldiers, pardon me, fell for fear of him. These were Roman soldiers trained for battle, trained to die in battle. They fell away for fear of him. He didn't push that. It doesn't say that he pushed them out of the way or there was some kind of some kind of battle or some kind of altercation. No, just the sight of him was enough. So we have to kind of ask ourselves, when I was uh, last in Egypt, my favorite thing about going to Egypt is not to go see the pyramids or the Sphinx or churches or, 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 or um, I mean, maybe because I've seen those things. So maybe, maybe if, if I hadn't seen them, I would, I would find them fascinating. But um, what I love doing the most is meeting holy people. So I've discovered a few people who are really holy. So, and Archangel Michael is my best friend. So I was asking them, I was asking one of them if he had heard about any more apparitions of Archangel Michael. And he said not, nothing really to speak of and so on. They're always very shy to talk about these things and so on. And so I kept pressing him and he told me that, yeah, he appeared in one church. One church was being, they were constantly being harassed uh, like in, in like a rural area. And it was the church of Archangel Michael. So the people prayed and asked Archangel Michael to defend them. So people who wanted to vandalize the church were trying to enter the church. Um, and Archangel Michael came and closed the doors. And he just stood in front of them. And because like he was standing in front of them, the doors opened inwardly, inwards. They couldn't open the doors. So this is like a mob of people. Couldn't, they couldn't push the door open because of him. And he held the doors shut for a certain period of time. And then after that, he just spread his wings out. I'm hearing this story like this is probably like the... Th like I'm like there is a there is a broken telephone like I'm sure you know but needless to say okay he spread his wing he spread his wings out and the two sides of the wall of the walls of the church got pushed out that's how massive that's how massive his wingspan is and how strong he is and to to this day this was something that happened recently the, the two side walls of the church are no longer perpendicular they're like they're off to an angle and you can see where they got pushed off of their foundations and he disappeared why am i why am i why have i been talking about seven for for the last 7 minutes about the, 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 the magnitude of these angels. If these are the servants of the Most High God, then what does the Most High God look like? No, he, no one has seen him at any time, St. John says in his Gospel. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him. So we don't really have a metric to, to measure something we can't see. Something we can't touch, someone we can't see, someone we can't touch, right? But when the angel comes and speaks to St. Mary, he tells her that the Son of the Highest will, will come and dwell among you. We're, we're told in like our training as priests to always remember in confession that, that we are sitting before the Most High God Himself. Confession, unlike the liturgy, is not as elaborate in, in its ritual. 
So sometimes we kind of forget, and sometimes we become very colloquial, we become very uh, familiar, uh, very friendly uh, in our demeanor, which is neither here nor there. So long as we remember that we are in the presence of the Most High God Himself. He says to the, He says to St. Mary that the power of the Highest will overshadow you and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That nothing is impossible to this God. These are the descriptions that Archangel Gabriel gives to St. Mary. Now I want to ask you and I want to ask myself a question. What is my disposition towards this Most High God? I mean, if people simply see His servants and they get petrified with fear or they fall backwards because of their glory, what is my disposition towards this Most High God? Well, I don't know, Father John, that's not like a very clear question. Can you clarify, please? Sure. So, how am I towards Him? So, when I pray, what's my prayer like? It all depends, like, who I'm speaking to. If I'm speaking to a friend, I'll speak one way. If I'm speaking to my children, I'll speak in a different way. If I'm speaking to the guy who gave me, just gave me a parking ticket, I may speak in a very different way, right? If I'm speaking, if I'm in court and I'm speaking to the judge, I will probably address the judge. Probably won't call him or her by their first name. I'll probably address them with some, you know, formal way of addressing them, your honor, some formal prefix or something, you know. The mayor is your lordship. Your lordship, sure, right? What about God? What about God? What's, 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 the, what's, the, what's the disposition? And so the psalm is what tells us what to do. It says, because He is your Lord, worship Him. He is worthy of my worship because of who He is. People commonly come to me, and this isn't, I'm not, this isn't upsetting to me or anything, but will tell me, like, like, I asked God, I prayed, and I asked God to do this, and He didn't do it, so I'm angry with God. Okay, I understand that I wanted God to do something, and He didn't do it. Or, 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 or the exact opposite happened, or whatever, but it's the fact that He is God. That's what makes Him merit my worship. And worship is not like a binary thing, yes or no. But I'm, I'm, I'm asking us to look at it as like on a gradient, on a scale. What is my worship? What is your worship? What does it look like? Does somebody, when they see me, okay, so my daughters, when they walk into my room and they see me praying, do they think that I'm like looking, examining a crack in the wall? Or do they think that I am standing before the creator of the universe? Someone who doesn't know what I'm doing, when they see me, okay, and this isn't about people pleasing, but this is, this is sometimes we understand ourselves by seeing a reflection of ourselves in the mirror, right? So if I were to see a reflection of myself in the mirror while I'm praying, what would I, what would I say about the reflection that I see? Would I say that's a person who's standing before the Most High God? Or would I say that's somebody who is just passing the time or somebody who's just checking a checkbox or whatever it may be? In both 
um, the first and the second readings today, the Pauline and the Catholic epistle, it says something. It says that he was given to be a propitiation for us. This word which is commonly, commonly misunderstood. It actually has two meanings. What it literally means is when you have a piece of cloth which is wet and you've been washing it, and then you take it out and you wring it dry, right? And you wring it and you keep, and you keep, you know, and you keep, and, and you squeeze, until you squeeze it down to the very last drop, okay? So that's the literal meaning of the word. But it's not usually used to mean that literal meaning, in that literal meaning in the sense of laundry. It's usually meant to say the giving of all. Like something is being squeezed so that all is given. For why? For what purpose? Also, it's part of the kind of the, the way the word is used as an expression. For the pleasure of the person who's receiving it. So it's like, it's like saying like, like if, I, if I got you a, a present, a Christmas present or something, and I did everything that I could do to get you this present. Um, and, and down, you know, I, like I, I squeezed myself down to the last drop. It's kind of understood in that sense. And so St. Paul in Romans 3 and St. John in his first, his first epistle are saying that he was given for our propitiation. He was given to make, to make us pleasing, to make us pleasant to God. But how was he given down to the last drop? So this adds a whole other dimension. This adds a whole other dimension to this most high God. This most high God has allowed himself to be squeezed down to the very last drop and given for you and for me. I didn't think of this before this sermon, but now I almost want to put a mirror where, where I pray, you know, like a full-length mirror. And I want to ask myself the question that I'm asking you. What is my disposition towards this Most High God? How do I worship Him? Forget that question for a moment. We have a week ahead of us. You know, God give you good health and long life, and you have a whole life ahead of you. But let's just say, in this coming week, in this coming week, how do I want to worship God? How do I want to express my own personal expression of worth to Him? Him who chose to leave heaven and earth, to leave all the concerns of the universe and to come and to be incarnate and to be with us, to come into the womb of St. Mary and eventually to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, to live a very sorry life as an orphan, son of a carpenter, son of a... The word carpenter doesn't so much mean woodworker as it means craftsman. St. Joseph was a craftsman. He, he made things. Maybe out of wood, maybe out of other things. When you go to Nazareth, you see that it was actually a very poor area. Most of the people in Nazareth lived in caves on the side of the hill. Jesus was born into a very poor life. He didn't live a very glamorous life in any way, shape, or form. 
All this for you and for me. What worship is he worthy of? And how am I going to express that this week? Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.